Are you interested in vintage clothing, secondhand shopping, the reselling community, history, or all of the above? Then this is the show for you. My name is Rebecca, and I'm here to talk to you about other people's things. I'm here not only to discuss the material aspect of clothing, but our relationship as a society to other people's things and how we go about obtaining them, selling them, finding them, and enjoying them. Thanks for tuning in. Hello and welcome today to another episode of Other People's Things. Today I have a very special guest. Her name is Anna and she lives in Australia. So I'm just going to ask you, Anna, to introduce yourself briefly for everyone who's listening today. Hello, Rebecca. Thank you for having me. So I guess I've been in the vintage scene for over 10 years now. I started off like, I'm going to say 2008 following blogs that people were posting, checking, you know, been on Etsy and stuff. And I've just been here ever since. And I've, you know, I started off just looking at what other people were posting. And then I kind of started my own blog and started doing some collaborations with vintage repro brands. That's really important because we're going to be talking about that today. And I also wanted to say thank you for waking up at 4.30 in the morning your time to meet with me. That must not be easy. That's okay. So I hope you can understand why I sound a bit doughy right now and why you find it being a bit slow to reply. Yeah, it. I, I'm a morning person, but 4.30 is, is earlier even for me. Well, um, <laughs> I'm a morning person, but usually when I go get up at 4.30, it's to go to the gym or to walk my dog. So I'm still in zombie mode <laughs> and I'm not like being articulate or anything. So it might be a bit of a strug, but we'll see how we go. Yeah. And luckily we had a little bit of time to chat and warm up. So I hope that that helps. And I had time I wanted- to, you know, drink my monster energy drink. That'll, that'll do it. Hopefully that'll perk you up a little yep. bit. And so I've been making it kind of like a thing that I talk about before we start um, talking about what I'm wearing. So I just wanted to say that I have this really lovely 40 suit with these big old lantern sleeves that my, my friend sent me in Colorado. And I'm just in love with it because it has a fancy belt back and, um, and it's black, which is one of my favorite colors to wear lately and big heavy shoulder pads. So I get that dramatic silhouette and it almost, it almost looks eighties because they're so big, but it's not, I swear. And, um, aside from that, just kind of wearing my hair as I usually do, I've stopped wearing, trying to wear hats with these headphones because it's a little bit uncomfortable. And my next question that I'm going to get into just to start us off, I wanted to know what is your favorite era to wear, Anna, and why? So I've worn a lot of different eras since I started wearing vintage and vintage-inspired fashion. So I started with the 1950s, and I wore that for quite a long time. And then I went through a phase where I wore 1920s for a while. So... Now I'm wearing 1940s and I have been for, I guess, like the last five or seven years. And the reason I really love 1940s fashion is that 
I can actually get away with wearing it without people staring as much. Like you can go out in public and unless you're wearing a hat, it's always a hat that yep. really attracts the stares. You can get away with it. Like you can wear a cute blazer over a dress and go for that utilitarian look and no one will look twice. Even if you have your hair set, you might have a few people comment on your hair, but I'm really all about blending in. And I feel like, 1940s is the most modern looking decade that you can sort of blend in with the normal people and not get too many people asking but obviously if you do wear a hat that is kind of where it ends so I do love 1940s hats they're one of my favorite aspects of 1940s fashion but it comes to the price when you're wearing one because people will stop and start asking you questions which I kind of find really intrusive especially if they ask if I'm going to the horse races and like see I find that personally really offensive because I'm very much against animal cruelty so when people step and ask me when I'm wearing a 40s hat if I'm going to the races I'm just like gritting my teeth and trying to hold back saying why I think animal exploitation is horrible but yeah yeah so 1940s fashion is definitely my favorite decade to wear and I think I, I don't see myself changing or going back to other decades but maybe in a few years from now I do see myself getting back into the 1930s again but we'll see but for now the 1940s is where I'm comfortable. I think you brought up a lot of really good points that I didn't even think of before. So I think like most people around our age, and I don't remember how old you said you were, but I'm 33 and I'm going to be 34 in August. So whenever I was in my early 20s, it was really cool to do like the rockabilly sort of pinup 1950s-esque look. And that's how I sort of got into wearing vintage more regularly and then I found that I started branching out. And I think it's interesting that you went from 50s to 20s and then 40s. I never really had like a 20s phase because it was harder to get your hands on that kind of stuff. I think whenever I was like a teenager and kind of really interested in that era. But the 40s, you're right. They do have more of a modern look. It's more subdued sometimes like the silhouette isn't as like poofy as the 50s or something like that and I mean if you're thinking about anything before the 1960s you're right it's the most modern looking style and especially like that late 30s early 40s look that's so popular I think that so many people like it because it's cute it's kind of feminine but it's also kind of modern with like the shorter skirts and the tighter fitting styles and the puff puffed sleeves like they kind of come in and out of fashion every few years so you can really get away with wearing that stuff and and I know that the hat really does get people noticing you more and I agree with you that I'm really not a big fan of excessive attention and some people might laugh and scoff and say like oh well you dress vintage of course you want attention and and I don't think that's true for everybody no um, absolutely not <laughs> I mean the worst thing is when someone touches you I know that this has been the experience for me and so many of my friends too like they would be on public transport and someone will start touching them like touching their suit touching their hat touching even like their petticoats which is really invasive and not appropriate and it's always women because obviously if a man did that they would get 
punched. Right. But it's, it's always it's funny. women being all touchy-feely. Or, like, they'll touch your hair and it freaks me out. And it's almost like they think that they can do it just because they're women and Absolutely. they can get away with that. Absolutely. I... Like, they do feel that you are public property when you go out like that. And that's absolutely not the case. Right. It's like they think that you're doing it for their entertainment. And yeah, I felt exactly. that way, too. Um, sometimes men will say things and ask questions that are inappropriate. Um, take photos and videos without asking. I really don't like that. And sometimes it's women. Um, usually people of a certain age seem to like to do it more. Um, I, I'll say like people of the boomer generation seem Absolutely. to feel a little more comfortable with that and making comments that sometimes I just roll my eyes at because oh. it's like so unnecessary. Okay, so this is like my favorite comment that boomer men love to make. Like I know this happens all the time to my friend who wears 1940s vintage too. Mm -hmm. And the most common comment she gets from boomer men is, Oh, you look so sexy. Followed oh, no. by, followed by, you remind me of my mother. Ah! <laughs> right? Help! It's like, do they even, like, wow, go to therapy. Yeah, that's, that's creepy. And that's um. so common. It's not just one guy. It's literally nearly every boomer man that compliments my friend. Wow. I, I haven't gotten that exact comment i will say the only ones i like are whenever people kind of gently come up and they say like wow you really remind me of my mom she died recently and like i really miss her and seeing you dressed like that just kind of made my day i love comments like that that's really but it's all thing. about yeah like it's all about your approach and if you come up politely and talk to me like i'm a person exactly great but if you like make a loud exclamation kind of like to show off or like draw attention or just kind of to be obnoxious and then feel like you can take pictures of me like I'm exhibit at the zoo or like a sideshow yeah and and you also have people ugh. who will really fetishize you which is oh, disgusting yeah. so another thing that happens so my friend loves to wear um, I don't wear stockings because it's too <laughs> hot but my friend is very committed to the vintage look so she'll wear lovely seamed stockings like true vintage ones and she'll have gross men come up to her and be like oh do you do betty page pinup because oh, he, no. she also has dark hair and so all these gross boomer men are like okay dark hair stockings and vintage fashion equals betty page or like dita like yeah or they'll be burlesque like, oh, you, you want to come over to my house so we can take some photos and like they are like dead Ew. serious like they actually think that's one acceptable and two that someone's gonna be like yeah i really want to come to your musty basement <laughs> you you know gross old guy it's like right it's so nasty. I had someone do that to me while I was on vacation and I was wearing like a 50 style dress and I had my hair in bangs at the time and it was longer and it's always been this color. So I've gotten people who act that way too. And this guy was like drunk. He was wasted and he was asking me to come up to his room because he was a photographer oh so he could God. take photos of me. They're always and a my... photographer. <laughs> They're always a photographer and it gives photographers a bad name, right? Yeah. And... <laughs> And my sister wanted to attack this guy because she was with me. He was just so nasty. And it's like the guy at the front desk didn't even say anything. I don't know. People just like to pretend like it's not there because it's so uncomfortable. Oh, but it happens all the time. And awful. 
I just wish more interactions were like the positive, polite kind rather than people just kind of treating you like an object or something. And I don't appreciate that. So I agree. I like to wear the 40 stuff because you blend in a little more, even though sometimes I feel like no matter what you do, where I'm at, especially in America, people are so casual. Yeah. That, Thank that it's you. like, <laughs> yeah, I figure it might have just kind of been everywhere at this point that's like more westernized, but um, well, it, it just like seems like... I love going to the ballet, and when I go to the ballet, everyone's in jeans, so it must be the same. It's the same, and everybody's wearing that here, even fancy restaurants. Sometimes the most they'll do is wear, like, a polo, like yeah. a button, yeah. button up polo, and I personally find that gross. <laughs> like, I've, I've um, been on, like, a couple of dates before, whenever I was single, before I was married, and I remember this was in Arizona, and the guys would just wear like a button-down polo with like jeans, and it would just be like such a turnoff because I would be dressing nice, and I think that's just like the standard for a lot of people these days. Yeah, it's like and you're dressed not... nice, and they're dressed like yeah. a suburban dad at a BBQ, right? Or like like I don't know, a boy whose mom is still dressing him yeah. from like the local department store. It just it's jarring to see like a grown man (laughs) sometimes presenting themselves it it is and you know a lot of other people are okay with that so that's fine but it just wasn't okay with me and uh, it's just it's hard because sometimes no matter what you do you get noticed is my point whenever you do dress up a little bit nicer and present yourself nicely you do your hair your makeup wear something even vintage inspired people just they're so not used to it that they really sensationalize it. And that can be uncomfortable for people who are a bit more private like myself. And it and sounds me. like you are too. Oh yeah. Not only am I private, I just, I always say to my friend, I wish I had an invisibility cloak to wear so I can wear whatever I want when I go out in public and no one talks to me about it. Like, you know, if it's a woman and especially if it's someone else who appreciates the vintage style, you know, I love to have a yeah. chat. That's yeah. like the creepy people. And, you know, these days there's also that trend of filming people for TikTok. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. So I don't want to have anything to do with that. No, and I don't blame you. It's It can be a lot for somebody who's a little bit more introverted or just like selectively social. And I think some people don't understand and they think that you automatically want attention if you're dressing nice, which is also very frustrating. Um, no one's asked me about the races because that's not really like a big thing here, but they do usually ask me like, oh, are you part of a play? Yeah, like, yeah where, definitely. Where are you going? Are you a movie star? Or like, I mean, yeah, like, did you walk no. off that? Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like the question if you're a movie star and if you walked off set, I guess that would make sense because you live in California, which is where like a lot of folks associate with the movie industry. So I guess like that does make sense. But I was just thinking also, the thing with dressing vintage is and people bothering you is that they don't realize they actually ruin someone's outing. Like I've had so many nice outings with my friends or with my husband ruined because people have see me dining in a restaurant with my husband and I might be wearing like a nice 40s hat and a 40s dress and I've had people pull out like massive lenses like you know professional cameras like tourists I think and just like start snapping away like I'm some lion on this in the savannah and just acting like it's totally fine and I've had to get up and just confront them about it which hasn't been nice but you know I'll do it and I'll take no prisoners because that's my style. Or you know, <laughs> I've been out with some lovely friends of the vintage community and we've been having lunch and the whole time 
there'll be people just filming and taking photos of us. Like, it's totally <sighs> acceptable. And it will ruin the whole time because, you know, you, you just want to enjoy yourself and talk to your friends without constantly being aware that someone is filming you and snapping away. And you also, you have to kind of decide, am I going to ruin this nice moment by standing up and confronting them or am I just going to try to ignore them but also while being really uncomfortable right and it's so easy to think about like other people's comfort first and it's backwards because you're worried about ruining everybody else's time around you but at the same time they're ruining your time without thinking about it at all so it's like they deserve I think to be at least confronted with how you feel about it if they're going to take the liberties to feel entitled to document your image without your permission and that's the thing i i'm usually okay with it if they ask me or like they tell me why um if they come up to me and say like oh my daughter would love this outfit i really want to show her that's happened and i'm like okay sure but if you know some random guy or even woman i see them from across the room holding their phone like this and mm -hmm. recording me um it's not only uncomfortable but it's scary it's creepy yeah exactly um, i want to know what he or she is going to do with that and usually when i ask them they're like oh i don't know it's like yeah. you want to have footage of me on your phone like exactly. that's really weird and you know i'm not comfortable with that and you know like i talked to you a little bit about with like that random guy doing that to me while i was out holding yeah, my baby yeah. and you know i just don't think people understand just how offensive that is and i'm gonna start you know calling them out more loudly and recording yeah, them back and see how it. they feel about it but it's just like it ruins your day you're right it ruins your time and people you know don't think about that they just kind of think about like their own enjoyment or or pleasure or whatever it's well it's, unfortunate. it's their entitlement and Every time I have called these people out, you know, I'll be like, what do you think you're doing? And why are you taking photos of me? Did I consent to this? They will just mm -hmm. act so entitled. They, they'll, they'll like actually say, oh, well, I don't see anything wrong with it. Hmm. Like well. they actually <laughs> feel like that. So, which is why in one instance I was like, oh, you don't see anything wrong with it. Okay. Well, you know what? I'm going to get my phone camera. I'm going to follow you around this path. Mm -hmm. I want to take photos of you since you don't see anything wrong with it you're not going to be bothered by it and i've done that before and let me tell you they were bothered exactly and you know follow them to their car and take a photo of their license plate and see how they like that exactly <laughs> it's just not it's invasive and you know if they have to learn the hard way fine that's and i'm their choice. all about teaching people these kind of lessons when i have to Right. And it's not like you go out of your way looking for it to just be self-righteous. No, it's like no. you're just, you're standing up for yourself and your boundaries. Yeah. Like I've taken like the woman with the big lens who was taking photos of me. I took photos of her. I literally got up from my table, got my phone camera, put it right in her face and took a photo. I can even show you later if you want. I'd love yeah. to see it. Did yeah. she look shocked? And, 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 and she looks so adamant about the whole thing she's like yeah whatever this is fine wow yeah yeah that's not fine yeah and a couple there's been a couple of times where I've made like really nasty faces if I know someone's trying to take a photo of me and like I can't stop it right away so I'll just make really unflattering like gross faces <laughs> something so that, funny. that they wouldn't that. want photos of yeah <laughs> like I'll start picking my nose or like I don't know just 
just doing something like gross. (laughs) So that's one way that I'll kind of like at least draw attention to the behavior. But, you know, I would just rather not deal with it at all. It depends on my mood. Yeah. (laughs) So this (laughs) I have a, a question to kind of go go into. And so we know that social media is it's a blessing and a curse. Sometimes we're both on it. We both have accounts. Can you tell the listeners what brought you to social media and what compelled you to join in the first place? Okay, so I can't exactly remember, but I was at the end of high school. So I might have actually been reading a magazine that mentioned bloggers. And I think that might be how I came across blogs. And at the time, I read a lot of magazines, like fashion magazines. And I was so bored of seeing these airbrushed images of clothing that people didn't actually wear because, you know, I was interested in fashion, but not haute couture, you know, stuff that you could actually wear out of the house. And Mm -hmm. it was just so boring seeing actors, celebrities and models and photos. I just wanted to see what other people around me were wearing because, you know, I went to a high school with a uniform. So even though I was interested in fashion, I kind of didn't really know how to dress and I started off following a lot of blogs that were modern, contemporary fashion at the time. So, you know, 2000s fashion, but mostly with a whimsical kind of vibe. And eventually I started finding vintage blogs, like just trickling through the blog community. And one of the first ones I actually followed was Adeline's Attic, who I think, oh. you know, and she had this amazing blog and she wore her 1920s and 1930s clothing. And that kind of blew my mind. I thought, wow, there are people who are wearing these outfits out in public and they look amazing and they have the courage to do so. And through her blog, I found other vintage blogs. And it really had a big influence on my style at the time. And although it was really hard to find vintage where I lived, I found through another blog, um, super kawaii mama she was this big australian blogger at the time that you could wear repro like repro vintage because she wore a mix of repro and true vintage and i kind of like started going from there so i wore a lot of pinup girl clothing um hell bunny as i'm sure we all did in our style infancy oh yeah because she was posting those photos i thought you know I can start posting photos too and just documenting my style because I've always liked having a diary. So, and I like looking back at outfits I've worn and then criticizing them and cringing because, you know, that I'm a sucker for punishment. (laughs) So I just thought it'd be cool to just like start taking photos of my outfits and documenting them and then looking back like, you know, even one or two, three years and seeing what I was wearing I thought it was really cool because it's a bit like how I love looking at my grandma's photos from the old days it's kind of like I thought oh you know this would be social media would be a good way for me to have this album to look back on in however many years and eventually I just started to really connect with people in the community and most of my friends, like to this day, are all people I met through social media in the community. And that's pretty special, don't you think? 
I do think so. And I like that you have this more whimsical description of of why you were drawn to documenting your style like that, because I am personally drawn to old photos myself, even of people I don't know. Whenever I go to antique shops, I'm always looking at other people's outfits and their family photos and just kind of imagining like where they would have worn it to or how they how they came upon that outfit. Did they make it or like what's the fabric like? And I honestly have joined myself because of the same thing. I was lurking on social media for a long time under like a private account that I don't really use anymore because I have my more public one now. And I would always love watching other people put together outfits. It's like a little photo album, like a scrapbook. And that's what I was thinking too. Like I want to have this because I have so many things I've collected over the years that I want to show to my prospective friends so we can bond over it and talk about it because it's hard to meet vintage enthusiasts in real life and on social media it almost seems like there's more of us than there are because we can all be brought together which is a really beautiful thing and I remember being interested in the blogs too back back in the day when that was like a big deal and um I was wearing, like you said, Hell Bunny. I might have had one of those. And like a rock steady dress and like stop staring was really yep, big. Absolutely. Did you have I had yep, one? I had, I had one staring dress. staring dress. Yeah. And, and it was so the only expensive. one. I remember getting it on eBay, actually. And I was so happy to get my hands on it. Oh, I know. I I could only afford one and it was a black one. And it was just kind of like a halter, like tight like pencil dress but I wore it everywhere and I finally sold it on Poshmark a few years back because I was ready to just let it go and I just didn't really want to wear the synthetic like material yeah, anymore absolutely. it just didn't feel right <laughs> it didn't feel right on me so I can relate to that and it was it was a big deal like you were that that woman if you had the the repro um pinup look like you your style was everything I will say well, it's funny because um, my friend and I actually refer to this as our baby vintage era. So, oh, you know, yeah. baby vintage, when you're wearing the pinup rockabilly stuff, you're still finding your style. So, yeah, I think of it as baby vintage because it's where we all start as vintage folks, I think, or at least most of us. There are some people that I've seen, they just wake up one day, they decide they want to wear vintage and their style is suddenly flawless. Like there's a few people like that that I've encountered and I'm just like, damn girl, why didn't you go through the awkward, unflattering polyester phase like the rest of us? <laughs> well, I think it's easier nowadays Absolutely, too. Yeah. If, if you find that you're interested in vintage, there's a lot more resources of how to do it right and how to do it authentically. But whenever we were first starting out, there weren't many people doing that. And the blogging thing was a brand new thing. Social media was brand new. So we really had to figure it out ourselves unless we were lucky enough to have like a vintage lover in our family or like close circle, which most people don't. No, so, no, does. So that's why we had to learn the hard way. And that's, you know, that's okay because it builds a certain amount of character, I think. And you, yeah, <laughs> you learn more. <laughs> exactly. And, um, so what has changed the most from the time that you joined social media until the present day? And do you think it was for better or for worse? So when I first joined social media, it was just regular people. And by when I say regular people, I mean like people who don't look like models. Mm -hmm. Just taking photos with their phone camera or at that time actually point and shoot camera. There are some people who had 
an SLR camera that they saved up for. And it was just regular photos in their bedroom, in front of their house or in a park. And the photos just showed what the clothes actually look like, like, you know, close-ups of your handbag, your shoes, that kind of stuff. And that was what social media was. It wasn't very elaborate. It was very basic. But, like, I don't mean, like, in the basic offensive way. It was just very simple. It Whereas, like, these days, it's literally people spending 10 grand for their f- camera setup. And they're taking, they all look like models. And they are taking these elaborate photos that look like they should be in the pages of Vogue. And that's exactly what I came to social media to get away from. So that's really the biggest thing that's changed. It's gone from being a grassroots movement where people are taking photos in their backyard on their entry-level camera to everyone is now suddenly a model taking, you know, doing like these very elaborate photo shoots and editing the photos to the point where like they look like, you know, um, a sim, to put it nicely. <laughs> so love, that, that's really what I love the sims. The and I actually, me too, yeah. And it's just, and I do wonder, like, what that's done for a lot of women's self-esteem as well. So that's really the biggest thing that's changed in the community, the fact that it's become so manufactured and everything is an ad. Because it used to be, like, I used to just scroll and see what people were wearing, like, just, you know, stuff that they bought but these days, everything is a collaboration. Everything is sponsored. And I'm, you know, I'm not saying that I've never collaborated with brands because I used to do that quite a lot in the beginning. But these days, every single thing someone is wearing is a brand. And it's kind of like people don't really, like I've noticed in the vintage community, you'll see people who don't really have their own distinct style because they're just wearing whatever a brand has sent them that week for free. They didn't go to the thrift store or they didn't go, you know, to the shop. You know, they didn't pick out the outfit themselves. It was picked out for them. And the whole point of these blogs and social media was people's own personal style, outfits that they came up with, with whatever they had around or especially whatever they could afford. Whereas, like, a lot of these collaborations, people are wearing clothing that most of us can't even afford that they probably themselves couldn't afford. And it's not very genuine. It's not realistic. It's not something that most people can aspire to. Whereas in the beginning of social media, you actually had that hope. You would go to a thrift store and you'd find a really nice vintage piece for yourself. Those are all really good points. It it seems like I've seen a lot of people do collaborations and it seems like there's a lot of people getting onto social media in the vintage community with that intention like right off of the bat to draw more of an audience and followers so they can be an influencer for some of these brands and get free clothes i mean it sounds fun if you just kind of think about it before you're involved and i definitely thought like oh wow that might be really cool as a possibility someday but with that comes a lot of pressure and with that does come you're you're kind of in a way putting your own style aside so you can represent these brands who want to dress you in a certain way to gain a certain amount of traction for for whatever brand that they're representing and i think that that can be okay but i've noticed a lot of them have this like they call it vintage 
and they say it's vintage style but a lot of times it's more of like a loose interpretation of what vintage is. Uh, yeah. And I, and I think of that paired with like the kind of poorly done victory rolls with like maybe yes. like straight, straight hair, but like victory rolls that are like really, really big or like they have an open center. Yes. Like that was kind of the stuff. Yeah. My friend <laughs> told victory rolls, you can stick a pencil in. That's exactly, see, exactly. Yeah same page <laughs> and you know i'm not making fun of anyone that does this because we all have to start somewhere yeah, exactly exactly but it's but still it's like an iconic like kind of like amateur not mistake but like look that we've all done yeah that i can look back and see that's it yeah exactly it's a rite of passage it is a rite of passage but you have I love what I, that. But it's like you know you have these brands like bell pock they'll just like have some models with a massive fake victory rolls and a polka dot wiggle dress and it's 1950s or and whatever they want I can't, to call it exactly i can't help but wonder how do you think someone newly into vintage might be negatively affected by seeing these um high follower brands marketing these vintage inspired garments as like true vintage looks and also like the influencer models marketing these brands looks as a true vintage look like how do you think that could affect somebody who doesn't know better well firstly i am so glad that wasn't a thing when i was starting out because <laughs> i hate to think of the faux pas i would have made for longer but yeah i mean it's just gonna give people totally the wrong idea of i mean for starters victory rolls 1940s so but, and you have like a lot of these styles uh not you know victory rolls the 1950s style haltenek dress and people are gonna see that and they go yeah that's the 50s so it is giving people a really false idea of the actual vintage styles but the thing that's more problematic is that the clothes are made in sweatshops they're bad quality and i know for a fact that a lot of the people who are posting these they don't even like the clothes. They are literally uploading them to Depop or their Instagram shop the next day. So they're kind of putting a false representation out there oh, yeah. of, Absolutely. of really liking these things. And they're telling everyone, hey, you have to go buy this. And so maybe these younger, more impressionable or newer people to the vintage scene, they're going to see that and think, this is how I need to start my wardrobe or like my vintage experience. These people are wearing it. They look great. They're telling me to buy it. Um, I want to be like them. That's and... exactly how I was. Like, for example, <laughs> you know, pinup girl clothing, they had that dress that looked like grandma's curtains. And I remember seeing people wearing that. Um, it was like a shirt waist looking dress. And I know that like everyone I knew who was in the vintage scene, we saw it. And we went and bought it because we thought, yep, this is 1950s clothing. This is how it's supposed to look. And it's happening now, but it's happening with all these really bad quality brands. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's the same fast fashion dilemma yeah. of you buy these. They're not going to last very long. They might look cute, but they're not comfortable. It's not a wardrobe staple for life. Um, so it might be going to the thrift stores or the landfills and the resale value isn't great for those things. Now it used to be better, but I feel like these days the market is more for true vintage. So if you're, and you might be able to get it depending on who your audience is, if you're reselling it, but I've just noticed you don't really get that much for reselling like a hell bunny dress or something like that these days, like you might've used to. 
So I think the uh, people who do buy these on Depop are people who would have like a casual vintage event. Like, so people who don't really wear the okay. vintage looks every day, but they want something to wear to a wedding or just some rockabilly of show, car show event. So they'll probably buy those things and like for what they're worth, which is like, I see them for sale for $20, but really these dresses of polyester, like these dresses are not even worth a dollar. I wouldn't pay a dollar for them. I'll put it that way. Yeah. And you know, you have people paying, like buying them new in larger amounts and they might realize the hard way, like when they receive these dresses, that they don't want to wear them either because they're falling apart or they just don't look good or they're itchy and they smell bad if you sweat or dance in them. And then on top of it all, a lot of the times they're not usually that authentic either. Oh, no. So I think most people do want an authentic look. They might not realize the difference between um, something like that or a true vintage dress. And, and I think that for some people, they might end up regretting that choice if somebody calls them on it or draws attention to it too so i just think it's misleading and it could cause some embarrassment down the line it might detract some people from wanting to get closer to the vintage community if they have had bad experiences like that so i just think it's yeah important to be responsible about like how you're talking about these things the other thing is that all of these influencers they they'll take these amazing photos of this dress and I'll, they'll make it look really good. Mm -hmm. So it's very much a smoke and mirrors approach because you'll have, you know, photos taken in this stunning garden on this stunning looking girl. And the clothing will actually look good, which is why mm -hmm. that brand sent them the clothes in the first place. So people who are new to the scene are going to see these photos, these very edited photos on a model because let's be honest the majority of these big time vintage influencers are the kind of people who would be a model outside of the vintage scene anyway and they're going to see them and be they go hook line and sinker for it because yeah the clothes look amazing in the photos because the photographer has done a great job and the model looks good so it's, it's a bit of a i mean it's kind of a con if you ask me they're being taken for a ride Oh, yeah. And I could even say the same thing. I've been talking about this lately a lot. But for the people who are taking really fancy photos of true vintage garments as well, oh, and then yeah. selling them for a lot of money. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It's, it's similar because they realize there's power behind a camera, behind creative styling. If everything looks really good, then you're selling that to people, not the actual garment. So there's usually a lot of disappointment when you receive the garment and you realize, you know, the the model is gone, the the lighting is gone, the beautiful setting is gone, and you have this dress, which can be very nice or ordinary, depending. And sometimes there is a lot of disappointment because it's just the, the magic might have been in the photo that you paid, you know, $600 for this dress. And you're like, wait a minute, I've seen a similar one online for like $100 or something. And I just feel like robbed now. Yeah, exactly. Because when you take that nice 1940s suit, for example, off the model and all you have left is the moth bites and the rust stains yeah. and suddenly it doesn't look so good. But you know what? You put some piece of vintage that's in terrible condition on a beautiful model in a beautiful setting and of course people are going to want to buy it. Of course it looks alluring. So, yeah, yeah, of course you would be disappointed. And I think it's, yeah, exactly the same case with all these... um. Yeah 
well, as I have another vintage friend who calls them plastic dresses. And I think it's the case with these plastic dresses. Yeah. Oh, I see what you're saying. So, okay. So because you're calling them plastic because they're like Polyester not in great condition. Synthetic. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Got yeah. It. So my friend specifically <laughs> calls them plastic Chinese dresses. Yeah. And, and it makes a lot of sense. It, it is basically what they are. And I think that what most polyester is a petroleum byproduct and that's kind of scary to be putting that on your skin. Personally, I'm very conscious of that. And, you know, it's being absorbed into your pores when you sweat. So that's a whole nother story of potential concerns over these garments. It's, there's just so much to, to pick apart with that. Well, the worst thing about 70s fashion is all a polyester. Mm -hmm. Why are we making the same mistake now? Because it's cheap, I guess, right? Yeah. It's all about the money. But, you know, whenever I go to a thrift store, there's racks and racks of 70s stuff, and it's all polyester, and no one wants to buy it. And it's going to be exactly the same now with all these dresses from Sheen. And <laughs> I really want people listening to this podcast right now who follow influencers who are wearing these clothes and making them look nice. I really want to urge them to avoid buying these rags. Yeah, and like you don't know, let the photos fool you these clothes belong in the landfill yeah i mean i think you're right you're onto something and it's important we're not telling you what to do we're just saying I, it might be a good idea to think about what these clothing items are made from and what the quality is and it might make more sense to just take your money and invest it in something a little bit more uh responsible or like authentic or whatever don't these just days. believe it like, we have so many fantastic, ethically made, high-quality repro brands out there. We actually are kind of spoiled for choice compared to how it was back in the day for us when we started in our infancy of vintage dressing. So there are much better options. Yes, there are. I'm going to put us on a quick break really quickly, and we will be right back. Together to go back into the second segment of the show today. So I'm going to start by asking you, Anna, in your country, how easy is it to find vintage clothing that works for you locally? Do you feel like many people in your location must rely on vintage resellers from other countries who are willing to ship to you? So it has never been easy to find vintage locally, even way back, like over 10 years ago. And I think it's because Australia has always been very isolated from the rest of the world. And most people wore homemade clothing. And when people bought stuff, they really held onto it and they wore it over and over again. So when you do find vintage, because I mean, I, I went vintage shopping the other day and I did find vintage dresses, but they were not in very good condition. And it's always very scarce. You're, you're better off finding hats and handbags and accessories. So it's, yeah, it's always been pretty hard to find dresses and things you can actually wear that are in wearable condition and it's just always 
been pretty rare. Like you'd have to seek it out. It wasn't a matter of you go to a thrift store and there's a whole rack of 30s and 40s dresses. It, it has never happened to me. You always have to go to specialized shops. And unfortunately, I remember like even 10 years ago, you would find like 1950s dresses, like vintage ones, and they'd already been hacked at the hem and altered. So even in the infancy of vintage fashion being on trend, we've had to buy from resellers on Etsy, which is where I first started buying vintage things. And we and pretty much that I think that will always be the case for us Australians to rely on Etsy. And unfortunately, it's also come with the fact that we expect we're going to get ripped off. We already expect we're going to have to pay a lot more than others because of the exchange rate and not to mention the shipping. I mean, some Etsy sellers will charge more than the actual item, like twice three times the price of the actual item for shipping knowing like we always you know I mean you know how much the shipping actually costs when you get the package because it'll have the price on the box that the seller paid and so we're used to being ripped off so they charge more than the actual cost of shipping yeah yeah they do just to add to their profits absolutely and I'd say like half of the sellers are nice and they will negotiate with you because a lot of the time you find something and it'll say $100 for shipping for like a hat that's $70. And most of the time I'll try to meet you in the middle. But a lot of them won't budge. And do you think it's because they know that you are relying on them yeah. and you don't have many other options? I think so, yeah. Wow. It seems like you're kind of in a position where you either have to buy from certain resellers who are going to overcharge you or just not enjoy true vintage. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Or you have to get really lucky and be really patient going at, you know, going to op shops, going to small town antique stores where you tend to get better prices and Facebook marketplace, which is actually a favorite of mine because you know, and I've spoken to a lot of friends and a lot of my friends, they've just accepted that they're going to have to pay $200 for a vintage hat plus at least $50 in shipping. Now, can you like, just, could you imagine spending that on just one part of your outfit? No, that wouldn't be worth it for me. Exactly. Most people, most exactly. people wouldn't be able to justify that's more than I spend in groceries for like two weeks. So I'm just like thinking right now of um, the kind of outfits my vintage wearing friends wear. See, my outfits, the accessories are usually vintage, but the dress is retro. Or I'll have a few vintage pieces in my wardrobe that are special, but the rest of it will be retro. And um, so an average outfit that one of my vintage wearing friends will wear, all of my friends wear retro, by the way, as well, but and they do the same. They mix and match. So say you've paid $300 for a nice 1940s vintage suit. And on top of that, for that suit, you paid $400 in shipping. I mean, not $400, sorry. I mean, you paid um, $100 in shipping. So that's like, what? That's $400 just for like the suit part of your outfit. And then you have the hat that, that you've spent like $250, including shipping. If the seller, you know, met you in the middle and charged a reasonable amount. So that's a very expensive outfit, isn't it? For something that's yeah. not haute couture, for something that's not designer. 
for something that an everyday person might have handmade. Yeah, exactly. Like, just just think about it like that. And I know that most Australian vintage wearers, like, they have accepted that that's what they're going to pay and they pay that much. I never have because to me it's just, it's like you said, you know, that's groceries or rent. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to be more thrifty. Yeah, it's it's impractical for many people. And even for the people who are able to do that, it's setting a poor example when resellers are able to ask for these very, very unreasonably high prices without much justification and continuously be able to do so because that means they're going to make that their standard. And then where does that leave us, the people that can't afford to do that? It starts making it something that's only available to the very wealthy or the elite or someone that puts themselves into debt just for the sake of an outfit, which, I mean, that's a whole nother conversation. Yeah, exactly. It's depressing. <laughs> well, I really do wonder, do these people have massive, like, 20 grand up in credit card debts because they have new vintage outfits every day that they've bought from overseas sellers so i know roughly how much an outfit costs so i'll be going through instagram and be like yeah that's a 500 outfit i mean i'm talking 500 australian so you know the exchange rate would be different for you yeah but you get the like idea. a little bit less yeah but it's just so much and it and the problem there is that it encourages people to go to these brands that are you know, the fast fashion brands that are vintage knockoffs, I guess we can put it that way. Mm -hmm. That's just encouraging them to make money. Right. And it does push people into the arms of more fast fashion brands. And, you know, I have nothing against good quality repro. I honestly would wear more of it if I was in that position and I have considered buying some staples that way too, because it's just so difficult to find like, for instance, original forties blouses in good condition, that sort of thing, just like those kind of staple separate pieces. But, but it does push people into the arms of more fast fashion when things are so expensive without much justification to do it. And, you know, whenever smaller resellers who aspire to be larger resellers, seeing the people with more followers upcharging like that, and this goes for people in any country and charging that much for shipping, they create a false standard where other people are going to follow suit because some people aren't like this but many are out to get as much money as they can for it and if they can unfortunately that means sometimes they're going to do it and that's kind of what i want to combat and talk about and try and draw a line to encourage people to say like hey i'm not going to pay this much i'm not going to put myself into debt for this for average clothing this is not couture so i think we need to be thinking about this and asking some resellers why and challenging this because it's not okay and it's not normal yeah well, i so, mean so yeah. i bought a new suit the other day and i want to get accessories that go with it and mm-hmm. i actually got on etsy last night and i was trying to find a purse and a hat that would match the um the suit cause it's a very specific color it's a pale blue suit and i couldn't find anything under 200 dollars for a hat and I'm just at wow. the point now, okay, well, I'm just going to wear a really boring basic beret probably because I can't afford a 1940s hat to go with this 40s suit. Wow. I, I'd love to see a photo of it. Um, 
I don't know if I have something, but I'm always kind of on the lookout now. I will now. definitely send you a photo so you can be in the lookout yeah. for me. Yeah, that's just not fair. It's not right that it has to be like that just to accessorize. And those are like the cheap, considered the cheaper things. So I, I don't see why. Again, all of this started to meet with me talking about an overpriced hat. So I just don't see why hats have to be something that breaks the bank if you're just putting it on top of your head yeah, and they're not exactly. even commonly worn. Exactly. And especially if it's a hat that you'll only wear with one or two outfits, which a lot of those very expensive hats that I've seen, the ones that like, you know, are as much as $300, they're really, mm -hmm. they're only, some of them are not exactly versatile pieces that you'll get lots of wear out of. No, the cheaper pieces seem to be more versatile because they're usually in like black or brown or yeah, more yeah. neutral colors. And it's, it's just funny to me. It's interesting. You'd think this would be the pieces that are more expensive, but they're um, more common too because of that. And the other thing is that because things are so expensive and because we're all buying from overseas resellers, a lot of us, um, I know in my friend group, we share the things that we buy. So we'll borrow nice. the hats, we'll borrow the bags, the shoes, those of us who have the same sizes. We just share a lot of the clothing that we have in our collections. That. It's that, you know, our whole approach in my um, group of friends is my wardrobe is your wardrobe. So we'll go over to colors houses and pick out a few things. Or if one of us gets something really new and exciting, we'll be like, oh, yeah, you know, you can borrow it. I like that idea. I kind of I'm feeling inspired to find some friends who have a similar size to me. And maybe if anybody's listening or interested, we could do like a kind of rotation because I always love seeing my clothes on other people, like in photos. Yeah. And I mean, <laughs> it's just like, like there's something so thrilling about it. Even if you're just sharing hats and handbags, little things like that, that, you know, don't, you don't have to yeah. worry about size. That's really nice. I like that idea. Well, so, it, it helps us make the dollar go further. I'll put it that way. It's thrifty. It's something that seems more authentically 40s, too. Yeah, exactly. I bet you women back then might have done that as well. And one of the reasons I'm so thrifty is because I was actually raised by my grandmother, who was a child during World War II. And up until the day she died, she was actually wearing the clothing her mother made for her as a young woman. Like, she would have this dress her mother made for her in the 50s when she was in her 20s. And she'd be like, see this dress? It has holes in it. But you know what? Those holes are just, she'd call them ventilation. <laughs> you know, there's nothing wrong with this dress. There's nothing wrong with, you know, being thrifty. And I've kind of got that same approach. So I'm really grateful I, I had that upbringing. That's really funny and charming. And I like the idea of holding on to something and really wearing it and loving it and just kind of having it absorb all of your life experiences. Yeah, exactly. It makes it special. It really does. And you, so you told me about a type of person in the community called the vintage snob, and I thought it was kind of interesting. So could you repeat what you explained to me about this behavior and maybe why it can be harmful to the community? So, okay, I just realized that I kind of sound hypocritical now because earlier I was talking about those plastic brands. But I just want to make it clear that I kind of feel like trying to discourage people from wearing badly made fast fashion isn't the same as being a vintage snob. Wouldn't you agree? I would agree. So when it comes to the vintage snobs, it's the people who 
just don't see those who don't wear head-to-toe vintage as equals. The ones who will look down on people like me who mix vintage and repro. And most of them are usually people who are more affluent so they can afford better things. And so it actually kind of is a class thing as well. I found a lot of the vintage snobs, by no coincidence, are also people who are more wealthy looking down on people who don't have the funds to be wearing head-to-toe vintage. Because like I said, the price of a vintage outfit for someone like me living in Australia, paying, you know, a higher exchange rate, it's very expensive. So I definitely think class comes into a big part of being a vintage snob. It's so interesting because I have seen certain YouTube content creators or videos or reels of people kind of like critiquing others who maybe they don't know what they're what they're doing or like their looks aren't as curated or they maybe are making some mistakes with like their hair their outfits oh yeah absolutely so like especially the vintage costumers i think the people yeah yeah, and also i've noticed that many of the vintage snob people are also those who have the skills to make their own clothing from scratch who make their own hats who make their own dresses from scratch you know, skills that not all of us have been taught or have access to because we don't own sewing machines. We can't afford to buy all the fabric. So, yeah, there's definitely a lot of that. But I would say um, it's especially popular in the costuming scene, whereas, like, the vintage snobs in the vintage vintage scene are usually just the ones who think they're better because they can afford to dress head-to-toe in vintage, you know, from their hat to their shoes. And to me, let me tell you, I think it's insane to spend like $200 on a pair of vintage shoes because they're going to fall apart. Mm-hmm. They're not very wearable. And and I have noticed both kinds of like snobbery as you're talking about. And I don't think there's anything wrong with talking about why something may be inaccurate. But I think it's all about the tone and the way you present exactly, it yeah. too. Because I have seen some costumer types who... By the way, um, having those skills to make whatever you want, the materials, it's it doesn't just come naturally overnight usually. It's it also takes a, a lot privilege. of money. I think a lot yeah, of it's it a, is privilege. a privilege because they don't have to go to work so they can sit there and hand stitch a dress. Yeah, and like a lot of times they have education, um, like very good education that taught them all of these skills. Yeah, they went to costume school. Right, which is very expensive, usually like a niche, like um, independent kind of college sort of thing, like a private college. And in America, um, college is very expensive already. And um, it's something that, especially like an arts kind of degree, is definitely more of like a luxury. And seeing like that's great and i'm happy for them and i see their work and it's beautiful but i do see like sometimes this pompousness of just putting other people maybe down because they don't have those same resources or or scoffing at mistakes that other people make and i think that's not really like the best attitude to have i think that 
having understanding for maybe why these mistakes are being made and offering your knowledge and resources to others so they can learn from it is going to be a better approach. But I mean, I'm not saying that I'm a perfect person here either. Like I, I have myself made fun of people who work like in the movies and I was just telling you this, Anna, but how they do like 1940s represent representation of women's hair in movies and it's like shellacked onto their head and it doesn't have that loose kind of natural feel or look and it looks like a curling iron did all of their hairstyles or something and it just doesn't look right. And I might say that like, I don't understand why these, you know, professional hairstylists are doing curling iron curls, like barrel curls for these looks. It just throws everything off. But I'm also not saying that like they're, they deserve to be made fun of necessarily. I just think that I'm surprised that these professionals aren't no, like they have, don't have the knowledge or the skills to be able to like pull off an authentic look. And I just don't think anybody should be especially making fun of people that don't have those resources. They're not getting paid big Hollywood bucks. They, they don't have like a whole team of glamour people to make them up and they're just doing their best. Like, I don't think it's really conductive to make fun of them for that or for the fact that they don't have like the fanciest outfit or maybe they can't afford like a full 30s or 40s suit. So they improvise with like a couple of more modern pieces. Like I've seen that in the gentleman's community a bit more um, as well. And, you know, why are we dividing each other this way? Why aren't we instead embracing and educating and helping other people find ways to fit in rather than looking down on them for not having what, what they might have? So when it comes to the movies, I think it's open season when it comes to the stylists because they yeah. are professionals. They have the funds and no, sorry, not sorry, but I think they should actually be making an effort to do a good job so I absolutely do watch movies and tv shows and yeah I critique the hell out of them and I don't feel Same. bad about that and I have friends who work in the film industry who will because I've actually asked them before why is this you know why does this film have half the characters looking amazing like perfect hair perfect styling and then the other half look trash and apparently what it comes down to is there'll be multiple stylists so one character might get someone who really knows their stuff, but then another one won't. So that's why okay. often we see movies having, you know, really bad, inaccurate hair. I recently watched a series like this and it happens a lot. And yeah, I'm going to hold movies and TV shows to a higher standard. But when it comes to regular people in the vintage community, we can, we can be more chill, I think. I think that's really well put. And that's kind of what I was getting at. I think with movies, there's a higher expectation of professionalism there. But with regular people just doing their best and trying to figure things out, like, I think we should be supportive. And especially if they're trying and it's clear to, we should be supportive of them. And also um, kind if we are giving any kind of advice and just kind of like helping them do better rather than saying, oh, I'm just going to snub this person because they don't have as accurate of a, of a look as I do because we all have to start somewhere. Yeah, like, um, so my friend, she's always been really good at doing vintage hairstyles. And when we became friends, she gently was like, hey, how about I show you how to do your brush out a little better like this? 
And I think, oh, you know, good. we can all give constructive criticism like that. Those of us who have the skills, we absolutely should share them, make tutorials. And I see a lot of people doing that. And I love that. Yeah, me too. I think that's really nice. And the way that she approached it, I think was very gentle. And that probably didn't feel like she was putting me down either, did it? No, no, absolutely not. And, you know, I admire her so much. She does such great 40s hairstyles. She's not on social media, unfortunately, because even though we did meet on social media, she left it a few years ago because she just got so sick of the whole influencer culture and how fake it was. I can see that. I can see how someone would be um, and she actually inspired to me. leave. So she's um, a very stylish lady in her own right. And she told me that it made her feel really bad because she was constantly seeing people wearing outfits that she couldn't afford because, you know, she lives in Australia too. And it was kind of making her feel like crap because she wasn't able to spend, you know, several weeks worth of work on one outfit. And she was constantly comparing herself to what other people were wearing, what resources other people had. And it stopped being fun for her at that point. So now she just follows accounts casually instead of feeling the need to dress up and post photos of herself. Although she does dress up in 1940s stuff. That sounds like it would be a relief if I were her, I think, just kind of being able to be a little more low-key with her presence online, especially because I know and I've been there where I have to take breaks sometimes because it does feel like you're either in or you're out and it can be frustrating sometimes to feel like you're being ignored or like snubbed by people who have a perceived like higher status than you do or you just feel like maybe you're not getting the same kind of attention as higher follower accounts. And I don't really care about this anymore, but there was a moment where I did feel a little bit confused or like disappointed like I feel like I'm an outsider of this group that I thought would be very welcoming I suppose I could say so I can see how she would be more comfortable like looking looking in on it occasionally yeah exactly and it's just so much better for your mental health I recommend it I mean I, I love her approach and I try yeah, to do the same yeah. sometimes yeah, it's good to take a break sometimes and just like step away. It just it gets very frustrating. And especially when you're comparing yourself to people who have the means to spend endless amounts of money on vintage. Yeah. And when it starts feeling like a competition, that's when I try and like take a little break because I don't like that. And I don't think it's a competition. And there well, should be plenty for everybody. And I think, and like, like this is, you know, to reiterate what my friend has said to me, she just felt like, you know, she wasn't as good. And a lot of people, I think, feel not good enough because that's how they're made to feel when they see these accounts. And the funny thing is most of us who get into the vintage community, um, I think, have experienced at some point in their life that feeling of not fitting in with regular clothing or like regular kind of society. So they find this niche, which is how it was for me and a lot of other people I've spoken to, they find this niche where they think that they're going to fit in because we're maybe like all a little bit of misfits in some way or another. And then it just becomes even more frustrating whenever you realize there's also like a social hierarchy there and you're expected to kind of fit into that too. So it, it's, it can be frustrating. <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. Uh, so one of the last questions I have is, could you break down the vintage socialite persona that you were kind of telling me about before oh, and why, and why it's a problem? Oh, okay. So 
there was this one influencer from the US who came to Australia and I didn't actually meet him myself because he visited a different town, but a lot of my friends did. And I was looking at his reels and his posts and I thought, oh yeah, he seems like such a lovely guy. He seems like, you know, must be like super outgoing and fun. You know, he got to hang out with all these people and everyone looks so happy. And I remember saying to a friend, oh, I'm so sad I couldn't be there. It looked like you guys had so much fun. And I found out that this vintage socialite, as I'll refer to him, was basically treating other vintage people as photo props. He was just trying to meet as many people in the vintage community here just to get photos with them. Wow. And just, just, so- just, but it was literally exclusively like for his content. And he wasn't even nice to them. He would just be like, let's get a photo. Yep. Yep. Okay. Bye. So they didn't really get to talk to him or like get to know him at all? No. And it was, and he would be like extra nice to those who had, like, depending on like how many followers you had, like if you had like 10K followers, he'd be like, super nice and schmoozing you but like if you had like under 5k it would just be like yeah hi bye wow yeah so it really is like a stas uh, it is sorry you- class class thing yeah and people are always trying to get photos with other vintage people in the community who have like a large number of followers so they can hopefully get posted on one of those accounts and then get more followers and more exposure for themselves. And it's so shallow and cringe. Let's put it that way. It is cringe. And it's so strange. Yeah. And like my friends, they felt like they got used, really. It's not a nice feeling. Yeah. No, it's not. And this particular person has a large social media oh, yeah. following. Yeah. At the time, at the time he visited, did he have a larger following? Yeah, absolutely. Or- absolutely. Mm. Interesting. Okay. So it just bolstered it maybe and increased it by a certain amount. I, I just think that's his, the way he operates. Wow. Maybe it's probably just a strategy to get more exposure, but you shouldn't be using people like that. No, you shouldn't. And, and there's just, there's so many people in the vintage community who do that. who want to hang out with vintage people. Like they'll do, they'll organize meetups and take a million photos so they can post them. And, you know, Obviously, I've been to a lot of vintage meetups within my group of friends, but it's never been like that. But there are certain people who really just do it for the photos. Like, the whole thing is a photo shoot. They're not really there to be friends, to hang out. It's all just like, let's take lots of photos of us looking hot and hanging out and then go home and post the photos. Oh, man. Yeah. It's, it sounds exhausting. It is exhausting. And it's just, to me, it's depressing and superficial because you're not really connecting with anyone. No, no. So we're getting towards the end here. And I was going to say, is there anything that we haven't touched on that you wanted to bring up before we wrap things up? I guess I just want people to be aware of the darker sides of the vintage community, especially if you're an influencer. And one thing, I mean, other than the obvious bullying, the snobbery and cattiness, One thing I've noticed a lot of is predatory behavior from men. And I think this is really important 
for those who are new to the community who are listening and especially the younger women to be aware that there's a lot of unsavory types that are lurking in the shadows who specifically seek out women who are younger like I'm talking to teens early 20s and who haven't really got an established circle of friends in the community and these men without exception seem to always be photographers because it's always the really gross old guys who go out and buy an entry-level camera and decide they're going to call themselves a photographer just so they can get women alone with them one-on-one I mean look that's been happening forever yeah so it's really nothing new but I've unfortunately noticed that it is something prevalent in the vintage community so I want young girls who've just joined and have started posting beautiful photos of themselves to be aware that if men who are posing as photographers start commenting on their posts telling them they're beautiful and flattering them by saying oh you know we should do a photo shoot together just be cautious although my advice would be immediately block but please be cautious of these types because I've seen especially in my community grooming going on and I'm just I'm not just talking about one photographer it seems to be consistent like I can think of a handful of men in the Australian vintage community who hang around the vintage and pinup scene posing as photographers and their photos are always really basic and entry level just basic like SLR and editing and photoshop who are doing it so they can groom the newer younger members of the community that's so yucky. Yes. Yeah, I know the, the word yucky maybe doesn't even cover it. It's disgusting. It is disgusting. And, and I know that. And I've seen it. Yeah. And there's just, I'm, I keep noticing, you know, as time goes on, there's more and more young women joining the vintage scene. And I'm really happy for them that they've discovered the scene. And I just want to protect all of them. I understand that. And, you know, I have had people approach me like that too. And, it can be very uncomfortable. Um, they can be very pushy. They can be kind of dismissive or I don't know, they have this way of approaching women that they think are going to be more vulnerable and have a harder time saying no. So do you have any advice for any women who are approached by a photographer and they aren't sure if he's like a creep or not? And they maybe want to try and like meet up for a photo shoot. Like, do you have any advice for how they could handle that safely? I would try and talk to other women in the vintage community where you're located and see what their experiences have been with this person. But if anything Mm -hmm. they say to you is making you uncomfortable, trust your gut. As women, the problem is we always feel a need, like we have to be polite. We always second guess and gaslight ourselves when men are being inappropriate. Mm -hmm. If If you're getting a bad vibe, believe that vibe and just talk to the other people in your community be like you know as women we do need to look after each other and we need to look out and we need to you know not even the ones who are being approached we need to just you know keep an eye out on these people in our community like if you see a man that's commenting a lot on a young girl's photos 
keep an eye on them and you know befriend that girl and talk to them and see what's going on you know as far as you know you can go as far as saying hey notice this guy is commenting a lot on your photos is he making you feel uncomfortable is everything okay because often you'll find out that this person is also sending dms which are inappropriate which has definitely been the case with the photographers in my local community they're always dming of course because they can get you cornered that way and yeah you know some younger women aren't as comfortable blocking or like yeah i guess shutting it down immediately and even women my age i mean we're the same i'm like you and i we're the same age pretty much and people don't want to block because they feel it comes off as awkward and hostile and if it's a small vintage community you worry that you're going to run into this person because these people are at like these creepy photographer guys they're at all of the vintage events because that's their hunting ground the ladies stick together and for the ladies who have more experience in the vintage community who've been around for longer look out for the newcomers I think that's really good sound advice. And, you know, if you're not sure and you find yourself around someone like that, just make sure you're never alone. Exactly. Yeah. I'm going to say that too. Make sure you always have someone with you, preferably like uh, maybe like a boyfriend or a husband. Or or, even just a friend or a sister. Yeah. Or a sister or someone that you can rely on to like look out for you and have your back. It can be a dangerous world out there. And. It seems like maybe no one's going to mess with you, but you just never know. And it's also a huge red flag if this person is very persistent. Because, you know, if they just constantly are commenting and messaging and trying to initiate a photo shoot, and you've already said that it's not something you're into, that's a red flag. Because normal photographers will be like, oh, would you like to shoot? And if you say no, they'll find someone else. Yeah, they're respectful about it. And it's just important to pay attention to those things and your feelings, just like you said. So I want to thank you again for getting up early to meet with me so we can coordinate our times across countries. And I just want to thank everybody for tuning in. This was a little bit of a different episode from what I normally do, but I love having all these different perspectives of all these different people in the vintage community. Well, thank you for the banter. I really enjoyed being part of this because, as you know, I'm a big fan of your podcast. Even my husband enjoys them. Oh, that makes me happy to hear that. Oh, I, yeah. I, oh, we have a great time listening and we're on road trips and then discussing all of the interviews afterwards. Love it. And I hope you keep this going. Thank you so much. Thank you. And it's so it's been so nice getting to talk to you and meet you as well. So, We're going to head out now. Thank you everyone for joining us and have a wonderful rest of your day.